Welcome to the Passion Harvest podcast audio series. Thank you so much for listening today. I am Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. If you would like to watch this episode, please head over to our Passion Harvest channel on YouTube. We love taking you on a journey to discover your passions. Thanks for listening. Hello, passionate listeners and watchers. Welcome to Passion Harvest. Thank you so much for joining me wherever you are in the world right now. I am Louisa, your host, and I can't wait to speak to our guest today, Dr. Joe Gallenberger. Dr. Joe Gallenberger uses psychokinesis to influence matter or PK using the energy of directed consciousness. In his Inner Vegas Adventure Workshop, students achieve dramatic healing, strong influence over dice and slot machines, and many powerful manifestations at home. Dr. Joe has been a trainer for the past 30 years at the Monroe Institute and is a clinical psychologist. He's the author of three books, Inner Vegas, which reveals how mind energized by heart influences our reality, Liquid Luck, and also Heaven is for Healing, A Soul's Journey After Suicide, which shows that death leads to light. Dr. Joe has also developed Sync Creation, a home study course in manifestation. This is his story and this is his passion. Dr. Joe Gallenberger, welcome to Passion Harvest. I am so honoured to have you on the show today. Thank you, Louisa. My pleasure to be on with you. I have so many questions to ask you and I'm so excited about all the incredible work you're doing, but I'd like to start with... um, your Inner Vegas workshop and manifestations and PK, as you call it. Um, I've got so many questions, but I'll just leave you probably to answer that. And how do we manifest our dream reality? So the word PK stands for psychokinesis. And that's uh, the ability to use our energy um, with our mental intention to change physical matter reality. So it's things like we have uh, seeds we put in our hand and get an inch and a half root growth in two minutes. Um, it could be bending metal with your mind. Um, we, uh, in the Inner Vegas Adventure Workshops, we've done 99 of them and then they got stopped with COVID. So we're ready to do our 100th when we get back in uh, the saddle here in the United States. Uh, there we use it for rolling dice and patterns, affecting slot machines, because the casino is a rapid feedback environment. If we're in the right uh, attitude, which would be wide open heart, uh, grounded to the earth in the present moment, connected with spirit, um, feeling one with all the people at the table, we usually get rewarded with money within seconds. If we go into greed, fear, and ego, uh, the money is withdrawn, so we get punished for that quickly. Um, so it's a almost like tra- training a dog to sit by giving him treats, a way to train yourself into a more enlightened way of living, and one where manifestation happens much more rapidly and powerfully. Uh, so we use psychokinesis as our basis for the manifestation work. Because a lot of people have heard of like the movie, The Secret, where you visualize what you would like to create, but it doesn't happen um, because there's often uh, limits in our beliefs or our emotions. 
So that could be a belief like nothing good comes easy, no pain, no gain would get in the way if you believe that for something to come quickly and easily. <clears throat> and um, same for emotional states of anything from depression to fear to feelings of lack of deservingness. So my home study syncreation, the inner Vegas workshops uh, are all designed to um, melt those barriers. Um, Louisa on my wall here, I have a saying that I made up and somebody put it on a sign one day when I was asking for a, a concrete sign that came in the mail. It says, fear is expensive, love is priceless, choose wisely. <clears throat> and so that's kind of the basis of the work. And um, I've been doing it for 20 plus years, been in um, university laboratories, been had EEGs on my head, 120 late EEG to suits what's going on in the brain when this goes on. And I've had results in the lab that uh, would be equivalent to 100,000 to one by chance, um, that it would not occur even once in 100,000 times by chance. So we've done a lot of experiments at Princeton Engineering Anomalous Research at Princeton University. University of Virginia is working with me now some. Um, and so uh, from a clinical psychologist's point of view, which is my training, uh, it's proven to my satisfaction when we do an analysis of the meta studies, meaning all the studies combined together, it's more than a billion to one by chances. This would not happen. So um, I found it an interesting exploration because um, this PK or psychokinesis plus manifestation plus energy healing all seem three variants of the same energy. And uh, yet you can study psychokinesis in the lab a little more easily than, oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz and waiting for that to come in. Uh, that's hard to study in the science lab, so. Um, it's so interesting because, I mean, many of your students have had incredible healings and also other things like the ability to direct the dice to their favor and slot machines. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. quite remarkable. Yeah, it's, it's uh, a lot of people look at it and go, it's a miracle from my point of view we're swimming in a sea of miracles at all times. So um, when you feel like you're surrounded by a miracle and these PK stuff like hitting a slot machine jackpot is just another miracle and becomes easier to do. It's interesting that you also spoke about in the workshops that we need to recognize and overcome our limiting beliefs. Maybe they're subconscious. Mm -hmm. Maybe we're not yeah. aware of them. Do you mind just talking about that a little bit more? Yeah, I think, Louisa, we're in a free choice universe. We're free to select the kind of experience we have. But uh, we usually run through um, our lens of past experience to decide what we can have. Um, a quick made-up example, say I'm a... 15 year old boy and I meet you in class and I like you a lot. And I ask my friends, do you think she likes me? And uh, you, they tell your friends and it's all telegraphed around. Finally, I go up to you and say, would you like to go out to with me to the movie Saturday night? And you stiffen and redden and walk away saying, no, I'm going to make a conclusion that you don't like me. 
What I don't know is you like me a lot. You asked your dad if you could date this really nice guy this weekend. And he said, no, you have to wait till you're 17 to date. So what I'm seeing is your embarrassment, your anger about being too young to date. But I make a conclusion. Pretty girl doesn't like me. So six months go by and I lick my wounds and I come back and another person gets my attention. And I go up to her. Now my sense of timing is off because I'm in fear. I got sweat under my arms and I go up and say, you wouldn't want to go out with me, would you? Why she's surrounded by her cool friends. And the second gal says, no, no, thanks. Get lost. Right. Now I have fact. And I could spend my whole life thinking the people I like don't like me. It's not the universe doing it to me. It's not karma. But I've made a conclusion and I'm repeating it over and over. So we look at giving meditation tools that you can go into deep heart space because that's a very miracle space and open your heart very rapidly, calm down, let go of fear within 10 minutes or so in the meditations and then look at this stuff and heal it so that you feel worthy, you feel deserving, you're not in fear any longer. And, um, and then uh, what we see can be that manifestation can be very quickly accomplished. I did a... Um, I tried to figure out how to summarize 20 years of this into a 30-minute meditation to give people a taste. And it was called Liquid Luck. It came out. Within days, I had people saying that they won lotteries, sold houses that had been on the market for a long time. Uh, immediately that day, uh, getting art commissions, finding soulmates, all kinds of manifestations because the meditation was very successful at transcending the fears and the limiting beliefs we usually have. And we just used an image from Harry Potter books where you're a wizard or a magician in your lab and you fill a, go a vial with energy, uh, the energies of happiness, gratitude, abundance, uh, compassion to get you out of ego, feelings of good fortune. And then whenever you want to have a lucky day, you take a drink and everything will cooperate, synchronicity, serendipity, for things to go your way. And it was very effective, so I wrote a book called Liquid Luck about it as well, with people's stories, and why things like happiness are so important. Um, and you can really see out in Vegas that it's a person that's feeling happy, abundant, grateful, before they win the jackpot, mm -hmm. not after. Um, not the in, feeling, in lack. In yeah, they feel, in, you know, in connection with the universe and feeling lucky and grateful. And then that's when the good things happen. But can, that can be hard to do when you've been jobless for three months or you're facing a serious medical diagnosis. And so we work uh, pretty strongly to uh, give people the tools that they can shift their energy and their thought quickly uh, to get into a better place, which I personally feel is important right now on the planet. I think there's way too much fear going on right now. And fear is a prayer for what you don't want. Um, and so I think this not only has individual application, but applications when in family and community and then worldwide. If we begin to be in better energy and we visualize what we would really like, like world peace, uh, we can definitely have the power to create that. But we can't create it from a place of powerlessness or or fear from my point of view. 
absolutely agree. I just want to quickly go back to the manifestation and the analogy you gave with the the, the young teenage boy and the girl. Yeah. Um, we can create our reality, but as individual units of consciousness, we all have our own free will. So you can't necessarily manifest someone to bend to what you desire. What's your thoughts yes, on that? We're in, we influence each other, um, you know, even as simple as if you're uh, in the grocery store and you're the clerk and I come up and I give you a big smile, it's genuine, you're likely to smile back and maybe I've changed your day. Or you could be very nice to me and change mine, okay? And so in, in a non-psychic basis, just even how we relate with kindness, tender, loving, you know, loving kindness and things, has great positive effect on our children and our grandkids, our friends. Um, energetically also, um, my model would be that <clears throat> we teach people to fill themselves with overflowing from with unlimited energy directly from God source, however you define that, beauty of nature or um, in a religious way, whatever way works for a person. And then with that energy overflowing, we bless others with that energy. We get into trouble usually as humans because we cut that direct flow off. So then we're energy starved and we look to other people, try to get their attention to get energy. We can be the good girl, the bad girl, the good boy, the bad boy, the mess, the savior, the rescuer, uh, all kinds of roles. And the energy comes in, but not in very high quality. Um, so the way we get out of manipulating others and being manipulated by them is getting our energy directly from source. And we can teach people to do that quite easily. Um, kids do it quite often naturally. And, and in that situation, then um, all the other people's fear and chatter and ego games tends to quiet and our own tends to quiet and we relate to people at a much deeper level from the heart. That's beautiful. And the meditations you spoke about, I will put a link in the show notes, but is this all Great. available on your website? Yes. Um, it's getting expensive to ship to uh, Australia now. <laughs> so we do have them as CDs and all, but we also have them as downloads. Okay. Uh, digital downloads on my site which is www.sync, S-Y-N-C, for synchronized creation, C-R-E-A-T-I-O-N.com. So um, we have a heart series because when I talk about opening the heart, a lot of people go, well, sounds good, but how do you do that? Mm. So in a meditative state, we guide people to rapidly open their heart. You know, a person could watch puppies on uh, YouTube or something, soldiers returning from war being reunited with their families and their hearts will open pretty quickly but usually they'll only open till the next negative phone call or something like that or hearing the news or uh, something that uh, kind of torques their energy so we're we're attempting to give you a rapid way to access heart energy keep your heart open and then sustain that open heart flow um, so my home study course is the most extensive within that. And then these individual exercises are less than 20 bucks and easy to get. They're about a half hour long. They do work better with headphones on uh, while you listen, but it's a great way for people to get a taste. So things like the Healing Heart or Liquid Luck 
are places that people often start just to see if the technology will work for them. That's great. Um, I just wanted to touch before what you spoke about the secret, which many, I'm assuming most of the audience has seen to visualize the, the, the manifestation and you're saying it's not working as much. Do you mind offering us some insider tips of how yeah. to manifest? Um, <clears throat> if it was something important like a life partner, a whole change of position or healing a major illness, I wouldn't even start until you have two or three days to build your energy. And you could do that walking in nature, holding your grandkids, uh, doing artwork, who knows, whatever floats your boat, beautiful music, but you're wanting to get your energy higher and higher and be out of fear. And then I would image it as if it were real now, what you are uh, would like to create. So um, say I would like to be fear of, uh, free of fear of heights. Uh, I might Im image standing at the Grand Canyon, being just overwhelmed by the beautiful visual, visual there, uh, seeing the eagles fly over the canyon and all, and be completely free of fear and how wonderful that would feel and being able to be there with my family and all of that. So I wouldn't focus very much on that I'm afraid of fear. Or I'm afraid of staying jobless or being without anybody and staying lonely. I would shift to what I do want from a state of very high energy. And then um, much like a child, you know, the wide open hope kids have at birthday or Christmas or uh, Hanukkah or whatever holiday about something they would love. If they project that hope out there, parents usually try to fulfill that hope. And I think the universe does too. Um, as you're trying to move into doing that, and if you've, begin to see some fears come on up or limits, uh, limiting beliefs like, oh, I'm not worthy um, or um, nothing good has ever happened to me before or if something good happens, it'll be easy come, easy go. Whatever thoughts came through, then in very compassionate space, I would sit down with my journal and work with those. Where did those thoughts come from? Uh, are they accurate? Usually they'll contain a gain of truth, like a uh, grain of truth, like nothing good comes easy. If you want to be a concert pianist, most people have to play the piano a while and practice. Though there are kids being born at three years old playing Beethoven and Mozart, we don't know why. Um, so you would, you would work through things that are the yes buts. You might use affirmations. Um, one of my friends likes to put them into songs and, and when and they're quite wealthy they develop the affirmation when they just go money is only energy comes easily to me i love money and money loves me i create it easily that's to the tune of row row over your boat yes okay so you do things that bring your inner child in the playfulness and um, don't make it a job um, and then you would revisit that visualization when it feels right to do so, not you know every day until it becomes a chore, but when you think, gee, I'd love to think about how it's gonna be wonderful when this comes in again, then you might make the space to reimagine again. Um, and um, then be alert because um, 
say it was money and you were visualizing winning the lottery. That's tough because there's 100 million people all thinking different numbers. One wants a new kidney, one has an autistic child, one wants to start a business. But the thought of that money flow, it might be that the next person you talk to or smile at it at the library has a particular key that would take you to an idea. And what we know now is, you know, teenage kids start the weekend with an idea and by the end of the weekend, they're multimillionaires on the internet. So when you get an idea that could help a lot of people, the universe will really be there on your side helping. And just about all of us, if we are real and, uh, and speak our truth, have something to offer the world now that could be done online, for example. And, uh, and often through that experience, you not only help others, but you also help yourself as well. It's all sure. co-creation. Win-win. It's wonderful. Yeah. Thank, you for, thank you for sharing that. And um, it's also interesting that you don't need to visualize and that experience or the desire on a daily basis unless mm -hmm. you're in a positive, high vibrational state. Yeah, there are other schools of thought like to do it for 30 days or something, but I find myself, I don't like routines. I don't want to do push-ups every day or go to the gym every day. Uh, so I want it to be, and this is coming from a, an emotional energy of joy, deep joy. So I want it to be playful and when it feels right to do and more natural and flowing, more organic. That makes sense and do it when you feel good. I just wanted to briefly discuss with you the psychokinesis, the PK. Yeah. How, how does that work? For example, the ability to, I mean, we've, this is all part of it, but how does it work to move dice, for example, or change slot machines? We don't know really. Um, we know that the ego will never figure out how to do it. Okay. For a dice to land three, three or whatever. Um, there at the Princeton Engineering Anomalous Research, PEAR, uh, the site on uh, the, they finished feeling like they've proven, proven everything they could. But on the site that's still active, um, there's a lot of articles talking about quantum physics and how it relates to psychokinesis with some theories, meaning uh, saying that because of the way quantum physics is uh, understood, it demands that PK is possible. Um, you, you know, it would be uh, just a natural flow from that. So Newtonian physics doesn't get you very far looking at how this is done. We can do things like look at the metal under electron microscope when it's bent by psychokinesis, and it looks different than if it was bent by force. Um, we can uh, identify the state of being relaxed and open. PK is results driven, like a woman picking up a car off a child. You know, we have reports of that type of thing. So when it's important, it tends to happen. We think it's natural, but that doesn't mean it's easy because let's say sleep is natural. And uh, what do we do when we go to sleep? We think, gee, I'm tired. Um, I'd like to go to sleep. And then we think of something else and in 20 minutes we're asleep. But if I said, okay, Louisa, I'm going to put you on TV in front of 10 million people. I'll give you a million dollars if you can fall asleep in the next half hour. It would be difficult. Yeah. Why? Because now you're efforting, you're struggling, you're self-conscious. You know, 
it you've changed your set from natural to efforting. And if you try to do that, the PK doesn't come. So we say PK is impossible till it's easy. Um, I can give you an example here of some of the metal we bent by PK. This is a fork that I did. Gosh. And this is real, the heaviest Oneida silverware. So if you tried to bend the tines with your hand, you wouldn't be able to get it to move. Um, this one is a, a spoon. It's got a twist in it so tight that metallurgists have looked at that and said it's impossible. The spoon would snap with force. And if you used a lot of heat to heat it, it would have you know lines from the heating. So once you do it yourself and you know you bought the spoon, it's not fake, and you feel the spoon gets soft and pliable, that's very uh, belief system changing. Then all of it becomes easier because you begin to think, hey, this might actually happen. So all that we request when people start this is they temporarily suspend disbelief. If they go in saying that this would never happen, I cannot do it then they're likely because our beliefs create our reality to not be able to do it. But in the home study course, for example, uh, we get probably 95% of people are better doing the metal bending. In groups, we get 95 to 100%. Um, we're doing a lot of classes now on Zoom. And so we often have people from Australia, Thailand, New Zealand, as well as Europe and US in the same class. And we'll do things like, um, okay, you got a pair of dice, roll them 10 times and get as many pairs as you can, doubles, like five, five. And uh, we know that should happen statistically once out of every six rolls. So if we got uh, 24 people in the class, 240 rolls total, right? Divide it by six, we know exactly how many doubles we should have. The last class I did, we should have had 18 doubles as a class by chance. We got 36. So then people's beliefs change. That's, uh, that's wonderful. I yeah. have to ask you about the fork and the, the, the spoon. And yeah. you talk about um, using the heart to direct consciousness. How did you do this? Right. So again, we might have spent a couple of days in meditation, building energy working with exercises to get rid of fear, to get rid of limiting beliefs. So the, by the time the people in a group get to spoon bending, they're in a real can-do type of situation. Um, the people that started this, one guy was um, uh, Jack Hawk. He worked for McDonnell Douglas. They were concerned in the uh, military that people could use their minds to affect the electronics in jets and, and fighter jets and things. So he started spoon bending parties. He'd have 300 people and he'd always have kids because kids can do this more easily because they don't have all the belief in the way. And as one person would go and bend, the other person could bend. But let's say we have a small group or you're at home alone in the class with me. We would um, have you go through those meditations for a few days, build energy, show you it's possible, show you a film of it being bent. And then we'd have you stand in kind of a grounded position, build in lots of energy, imagine energy coming into spirit from into your heart from spirit and from the earth into your heart, flowing out your hand. And we go one, two, three, bend, and we'd yell bend. And usually it would go. 
then we do it also a soft way where you'd be sitting there petting the fork, let's say, just stroking it and talking about the fork to the fork, how much you love your lover. And um, one guy having no luck with the tines of the fork, with the heavy stuff, he thought of, gee, how much his dog like to have his paws massage between the, uh, the pads of his uh, foot. And as he was imagining that, the, the metal softened. So often it'll be um, thinking of somebody you love a lot, like a grandma and smelling her cookies that she used to make or something. So your heart is wide open with love and then having the intention for it to bend and it will bend for you. Does that make any sense? It absolutely does. It, it, and it's kind of similar, very similar to the manifestation process. Once you're in an yes. open, loving heart space, then you can yes. create the life you want. And it, it probably relates also to the dice or the slot machines at the casino. Yeah. So um, you know, one day I was going down after a workshop. I've been working all day with people. and I'm kind of an introvert. So this is three days of lots of uh, being in touch with people. So all I wanted to do is hide in the corner of the casino and play a slot machine. And I thought I'd like to get a royal flush in the hearts. That's uh, 160,000 to one by chance. So I sat down and just as I did, the group found me. Oh, Joe, teach us how to play. So I had a choice. I could have gone into sure, sit down, but not mean it and be irritated. That would have been the death of the energy. Or I could have said, please go away, you know, I've worked an 18-hour day, and I would have felt guilty about that. That would have messed with my chi. But instead, I wide open heart, genuine said, sit down, sure, I'll see, I'll teach you. And the first pull I did on the slot machine was the Royal Flush and Hearts. You know, it was a $5 bet, made 4000 bucks. Everybody there was happy, took pictures, gave me hugs. It was even better than doing it alone. Uh, but it was... Um, coming from a place of knowing it is possible and, and having a good wide open heart. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I just want, I just thought of, are you able to share with us some of, or one or two of the incredible manifestations you've created in your life through this process? Um, a lot of things, you know, I was sitting there in my usual good energy thinking, gee, I'd like to take my wife to Paris. She's never been. And um, I love the Musée d'Orsay, the Van Gogh room. I could sit there for hours just looking at his paintings. So I had that in my mind. And I was on the computer and thought that. And immediately an email popped up. Would you like to train a workshop in France? I'd never trained one. <laughs> I said, sure. And I thought to myself, gee, I'd like to go over first class round trip. That would for free. That would be fun. And by the end of the day, another email came in from a friend of mine who was a businessman. He thought at that time Delta Airlines was going to go bankrupt. This is many years ago. He said, Joe, would you like uh, 200,000 miles for round trip free tickets to Europe uh, at first class? I said, sure, that'd be great. So I went over and I always think uh, this or something better for, for my good and the good of all. It ended up that I did... Um, dozens of workshops in Europe, including one in Germany where we had this big healing of the Holocaust energy for the people in the group. Another one in Cyprus where there were uh, people that were working with the UN to try to 
help with the Cypriot Greek conflict there, and many other good things happening, as well as being toured around the country for three weeks by the, the host of the workshops and seeing things that uh, tourists don't usually see. And that's the something better. The fellow who got me the first class tickets ended up to be a good business partner and a dear friend for 10 years. And, um, and so you get all the synchronicity and serendipity going that it's good for you and other people as well. Um, things like the Liquid Luck uh, CD I mentioned, uh, it was with somebody else to be done for two years and wasn't happening. So I said, I think I'll do it on my own. And just walking down to the get the mail, thought of the name Liquid Luck, and it turned out to be great. People don't remember it, but they remember enough to say golden liquid, liquid gold, golden luck, <laughs> something like that. And um, by the end of two weeks, I had the CD in my hand, having gone to the labs to produce the brainwave patterning on it, the artwork, the production, and everything just flowed. Uh, one person leading me to the next, to the next, to get the project done in two weeks, where it had been stalled for two years when I had it in somebody else's direction. Um, so I love that when things go well. Um, I have uh, written a book called Heaven is for Healing after my brother's suicide 20 years ago. And um, I felt it was important to do so because our cultures are so negative toward suicide, but I didn't want people to be incentivized to suicide because it's a devastating thing for the family. And it doesn't really solve your problems because you're still alive on the other side. Um, but having written the book, I get um, emails each week saying that somebody read it and they decided that suicide was not right for them or that it helped with the grief of crushing grief of their child having committed suicide. And I think it's a miracle to be able to touch people I've never met around the world. Um, and so my miracles are often creative projects. Um, other weird things have happened, like I threw dice and they just spun in the air I felt like I could go back. Go at, they, I was at the dice table in Vegas. I felt like I could go to the bathroom and come back and they'd still be spinning. And then uh, finally, when it got boring, I said, okay, land 3-3, three, three, and they did. Um, one time in the dice, I got in touch with, like, I would call it the diva of eight, like Plato's world of ideas, and how the number eight is part of how it, our reality is constructed while I was in touch with that, I rolled eight eights in a row. And then I said, okay, well, I'd like to be in touch with the diva of six and rolled six sixes right after. And things like that that are kind of fun. Um, so I don't know, that's a taste. <laughs> and I, I just love the the joyfulness and playfulness. And, and also what I, I understand is that be open to possibilities. The manifestations might not occur specifically as you have yeah. envisioned. But be yes. open to what the universe brings to you. Yes. And, 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 and it comes from, you know, like in the book in the suicide, I really realized from the other side perspective and through these meditation techniques, folks can go and talk to loved ones or help people on the other side, that from the other side point of view, every drop of experience is treasured and all death leads to light and all life leads to light. And so there's really no way to do it ultimately wrong. 
it, uh, you can take some detours into the shadow um, that are very uncomfortable. But um, if you explore these areas deep enough, you're left with a trust in the goodness of the universe. And um, uh, my wife and I both have had uh, meditations where we were aware of coming into planet Earth this time and be embodied. And we were aware of knowing everything and, uh, and everything is in right order. And it's just a deep knowing. At this point, we couldn't tell you one of the things we knew, <laughs> except that feeling was left that it, that it, is, it, it is in right order. And, you know, we have a, a, a deep faith in that now, if you will. Yes, I, I believe everything happens in divine timing. I just want to discuss this yeah. theme about the afterlife. And yeah. I'm sorry for your the loss of your brother in the physical realm. Yeah. Um, what happens when we die? Um, there can be a variety of things, I think. 95% um, of us are filled with such light and energy and feel like what people describe in the near-death experience of unconditional love at a level we've never experienced before. And we go on um, into things. My, my other brother died of ALS, my brother John, and he was staunch Catholic. After he died, he said, gee, Joe, it's, you're right. It's more like you thought, you know, there is no judgment, uh, big judgment day and all of that. That other 5% can get caught a little bit into that idea. Like one of the, the women I worked with, her, she met her father on the other side, and he was kind of like a lump of energy. And she said, uh, haven't you seen angels and guides and, and light? And he said, yes, but I don't want to go. They'll take me to judgment. And I don't want to go to everlasting hell. So his belief system was kind of sticking him there for a while but there's really no time over there. So what might feel like 10 years here is a blink of the eye there. So um, we are met and kind of triaged with what we need. Violent death, sudden death. Um, it may be that we're put into a rest period. Um, if the life was a rough one, just because of circumstances or the manner of death, like cancer, you know, with a lot of pain at the end, we might be put into rest. That rest may go on for a good while, earth time, as they work on smoothing our energy out. Then there seems to be an awareness phase where we are, we look at what we have done and how we've affected people. And we've, we're held in great compassion during that. And then all of this is tailored. So if you're scientifically bent and intellectual, it might be a classroom setting type of thing. If you are more of a doer, they might have um, simulations where you can react in different ways than you did here this time when your dog died or whatever. Um, and, um, and then at some point, my brother, this book, Heaven is for Healing, follows him for 20 years on the other side. He eventually got ready to reincarnate again, but he was leery about physical because it gets coded into your genetics of your family and everything, you know, your issues. So they gave him a number of simulated lives, like a lucid dream, where he could practice things till he felt more confident. And now he's about at the stage where he's confident enough to take on a physical body again after the suicide. Um, but his, you know, there's a sense of as long as you can hold a thimble full of light, 
you'll be okay over there and they can work with you and and heal anything. And, you know, other people, you meet them and they're old uh, uh, and uh, they're in the hospital dying and you show up as spirit to them. They say, what took you so long? I'm ready to go. And you say, anything you want to do? Yeah, I'd like to say goodbye to my wife. She's in the hotel across the street. And you go float by and give her a sense of loving presence and that the person is okay and they're ready to go. So it can vary. But um, they are very intelligent on how we they help us over there continue our growth and healing process, if you will. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Um, and so we take in some part, our limiting beliefs with us when we transition? Yes, particularly things that are emotionally laden. Um, if you were murdered and you strongly believe in an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, you might be out seeking revenge. But what I want to emphasize is most time your perspective changes so much, so quickly, about seeing the bigger picture that you drop that easily. Um, for most people. Um, my brother, as we were, you know, looking at doing the, the book, Heaven is for Healing, we had a session and, and um, he was saying, geez, how much I had helped him in physical life by indicating love and light to him while he was here. And I said, Pete, I want to let you know, no matter how you left, you provided so much benefit to our lives. You know, uh, my child was very close to him. Uh, he meant a, uh, tons to me. He was my best friend. And I could feel his energy shift. And, and they were saying over there that he still had to learn his value some. He still couldn't believe how uh, much positive effect he had on people, given how he quote behaved here. Um, and they were saying we're still working on that. So some patterns of deservingness and things can run kind of deep. He had a pattern of not trusting himself with personal power. So while he was here in the physical, he had a hard time keeping a job, even though he's a very hard worker, intelligent, good looking, honest, and all of that, um, because he kept creating that inability to handle power because he was afraid if he had power, he would abuse it. So those deep issues may be worked on for many lifetimes. Um, but there are miracles of, you know, I think there's a law of karma, maybe, but to me, the law of love transcends the law of karma. The most of karmic stuff is what we do to ourselves, what we feel we deserve, uh, potentially, but we can hit a level of such deep love that we can let that all go and see things differently in an instant. So much like um, a tumor can be, you know, healed instantly these psychological tumors can be healed instantly. It's, it's a choice. Yeah. It's a and, hard one, but... Yeah, and illness is sacred. We don't know. Sometimes maybe it shouldn't be instant. My mom uh, had Alzheimer's, and that was the last thing she wanted. When she died, I said, Mom, what was up with the Alzheimer's? That's kind of grisly, you know, being in a rest home for two years, 100000 a year expenses. And she said, well... I, want, I couldn't figure out another way to get rid of all my religious guilt. So I decided to forget everything. Your dad and I had been married 64 years and he had more years to do on the planet. If I died suddenly, it would have been too much of a shock. 
The Alzheimer's gave him, gave him a chance to learn how to cook and clean, meet new friends, adjust to my absence. And she went on for a half hour how Alzheimer's was a beautiful plan from a spiritual perspective for her, even though her ego here would have thought that was the worst thing that could have happened. So we got to have a lot of humility about the miracle of illness, the miracle of these uh, struggles that we have, because we're not sure, you know, exactly what the big plan is. Well, that probably I've got two more questions if that's okay I'm sure. sure you get asked this question all the time in your opinion why are we here is there an end what is our purpose I go back to we haven't mentioned I worked at Monroe Institute still do wonderful there for 30 years you know so Bob Monroe was a hardcore businessman from the 30s and 40s but he had out of body experiences began exploring on page 239 of his second book, he wrote three books, um, Journeys Out of the Body, Far Journeys and Ultimate Journeys. On 239 of his second book, he has it titled Super Love. And he says the main, if not the only reason to come here is to learn about super love and to become a first order generator thereof. He didn't like terms like nirvana or whatever, but so his term super love means more than even agape, non-personality love, love at, at this grand cosmic scale. He felt that was our purpose here to learn to love through the illusions of limit that we have through the illusions of aging, the, the illusions of uh, separateness. To me, we are all one, but that's great. Now, if you want to have experience, you have to develop an illusion. The first one is that we have, I am separate. The next one may be, I believe, in time and space. And we might set up a whole bunch of illusions that we believe in order to have a linear time experience that can be a real ride, as we know. Okay, But um, those illusions are, are not bad um, in some ways, um, but some illusions are more confining than others, if you will. And... Um, so I think our purpose often here is a hide and seek game where we begin to let go of illusion, um, that we can be harmed, um, illusions like um, the best response, you know, is to get even with somebody. One of my exercises is called a forgiving heart because people do all this work raising heart energy. They finally get to a place where they're not gonna go further unless they really forgive themselves and anyone else that they feel may have harmed them. And as they do that, they can take another energy leap. And I think we're learning as a culture, you know, to do this kind of uh, work. Hopefully um, uh, we'll do it soon. I think we're in a big bang of consciousness. We're moving fast, uh, but we don't have a good sense of that motion. If I said, Louisa, sit still, are you still? You'd say, yep. I said, well, gee, you know, you're moving 17,000 miles an hour around, you know, the planet each day. The planet's moving around the solar system. The whole galaxy is moving at millions of miles an hour toward another one. We're in constant motion, yet we could feel that we're standing still. If we look at the last 100 years, there's been an explosion of conscious awareness um, compared to, you know, the thousands of years before. Um, so I feel good about our grandkids' lives, uh, but um, 
you know, uh, I'm okay if we get it done tomorrow rather than wait any longer. <laughs> I agree. Well, just a, well after that, just a final question. It's a big one, but I'll try and keep it simple. If our perception of reality and there is no time in reality, mm -hmm. um, has the future already occurred? I think it's paradoxical. Much like illusion and reality, there's a book from ancient Egyptian times or middle Egyptian times called The Kabillion. First thing is everything is illusion. Second is everything is real. Third is you could make, biggest mistake you could make is deciding either of the two statements are truer than the other. Time is you're walking along, a, a, let's say a ruler, inch one, inch two, inch three, where you're experiencing it linearly. That's your reality. But if you looked up, from above at the ruler, you'd see the whole ruler, right? Mm -hmm. And I do think we have free choice. Um, so paradoxically, everything could be an infinite now, and yet it could be that we still have complete freedom about what we think in the next five minutes, what I say, what you say, how we act, how we react, and yet it could be all an infinite now. Good answer yeah. <laughs> in, a, in a short sentence for a very big Yeah, yeah. Question. So it's a, it's a uh, and you need to know which reality believed. You know, if you believe the Mack truck coming toward you is going to hit you and it's solid, you'll get smushed. But we've had Monroe trainers who have driven through other cars, driven through big trees that were on the road because they didn't believe it was solid. Um, so, um, uh, you have to have respect for the level of belief you're operating on. And uh, they're all real from where you're operating on. Yes, our thoughts create our reality. Um, yeah. Dr. Joe Gallenberger, thank you so much for being on Passion Harvest. Is there anything you'd like to share with the Passion Harvest audience that I haven't asked you? Um, keep the faith. You know, that idea of fear is expansive, love is priceless. Right now, scan, where are you in fear? And uh, decide whether or not you'd like to let it go. To understand now that with these technologies, brainwave patterning technologies with meditation, instead of 40 years in an ashram and, you know, all that, uh, this stuff is accessible now, as close as a digital download. Um, Loving kindness will never give you, get you, treat you wrong. And that means loving kindness to yourself as well. So it's not to be abused by somebody, but um, you know, I'd love, we're all part of a big family. So when I pray, I always think of all the monks and all the monasteries, all the women holding their newborn child or the father holding the newborn child, all the people who are intending good for us and for the planet are praying for peace. And I'll link my energy with theirs. And when you do that, you'll never be alone. There's a tremendous power flowing right now to the good. So join the, uh, join the forest. Don't worry about the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Joe, thank you. That was a beautiful way to end the show. Thank you so much for being on Passion Harvest. My pleasure, Louisa. It was good to meet you in this way. Yes, it was and, wonderful. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful day there. You too. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye now. That is the end of our passionate episode. Thank you so much for listening. And please subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends and spread the passion. As always, 
every day. May you be more and more passionate.